I wonder if we might begin with a word of prayer before we look at the word of God and then going to look at the scriptures together, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that your word is living, is sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that we don't have to decorate it with human skill or ability or eloquence. All we need to do is speak the word of God under the anointing of the Spirit. And we thank you that the word does its work. Oh God, we thank you for this precious book that we have before us. And we want to praise you, Lord, for the willingness of so many servants of old to work tirelessly, tirelessly, Lord, that we might have this word in our own tongue and language. We thank you for Wycliffe, Lord. We thank you for Tyndale. We thank you for these men that utterly gave their lives over so that the word of God might be in our own language. We thank you for the saints that laid down their lives for the preservation of the purity of the gospel to be maintained in our land. We thank you for all of these things, Lord. And here we are, recipients of such grace, but at such a cost. We want to thank you, Lord, because really, without your Son, there would be no gospel to translate. And so we give you all the praise and all the glory And we ask that your anointing would be on the speaking of your word this morning and your anointing would be on the hearing and that we would hear as the Spirit would enable us. Grant us understanding. Grant us understanding, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. By the way, you know, I was on the phone recently to a friend of mine, another pastor, lovely brother, and... um, He's going through a lot of difficulties and opposition uh, in many ways, really. And he says, I just want to hear what the Lord is saying. I just want to hear what the Lord is saying. And I said, um, I said, brother, I realize that. But the Lord isn't expecting you to hear what he hasn't spoken. And I said, do you notice in the book of Revelation when the Lord speaks to the churches, what does he do? He speaks to them first, and then he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying, after he's already given the word. The hearing comes after the hearing, after the Lord has given the word. Can you discern what the Lord is saying? So the Lord doesn't expect us to read his mind. He expects us to seek him. But when the Lord speaks... Are we hearing him? That's the key. And it's a need for us to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit in all our lives. My sheep hear my voice. And primarily the hearing that you will receive, dear friends, is through the Word of God. And so we need to discern what the Spirit is saying. Every time we open the Word of God, ask him, Lord, Make me sensitive to the leading of the Spirit to discern what you are saying to me, lest you have to shout at me before I'm even perceiving anything, right? How close are we to the Lord? Let's not be like Peter who walked at a distance, but be those that walk closely to the Lord. By his side, walk step in step. 
walk in agreement with the Son of God. You know the blessing of it. Well, today I want you to turn with me for this New Year's message to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, please. And I was not intending to speak on this message this morning. But earlier this morning, (coughs) before my children were up and about, this is the verse, these are the verses I felt the Lord lay on my heart for the start of this year. I believe these verses, if we take them to heart, will be a means of great blessing to each one of us. You say to me, I know these verses already. Well then, I can't speak to you. If that's your attitude, as if we know everything about every verse in the Word of God. I want to tell you the truth. The more I study the Word of God, the less I feel I know. It's as you go into the depths of something, you see something of the vastness of that thing. And so the Word of God is no different. It is great. And I just believe that there are principles, there's things that the Lord wants to say to us this morning that you may have heard before, but I believe the Lord wants to underline them to you. And someone said, or words to the effect, that the greatest form of teaching is repetition. And so just underlining, underlining the Word of God is so important. Why? Because we're prone to forget, even if we know things. We forget them. They go to the back of our minds. And it's as though the Spirit often brings things back to the fore, back to the fore, to remind us of what is important for us. So I wonder if you would, if you can, stand with me for the reading of the Word. I'm going to read Psalm 1 all the way through. And if you stand with me, please, and then we'll get into the text. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. Please be seated, everyone. So, dear Lord, again we ask, please meet with us by the power of your Spirit, through your word, We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it was a little over 20 years ago that I preached my first Sunday morning service, uh, my first Sunday morning service, and it happened to be here. And uh, I was younger then. And uh, I came up the platform and I preached for about 50 minutes on this psalm. Psalm 1. And 
I can still remember it. The lectern was more down over here on the floor. I don't know why it was over there, but that's where it was. And I preached on, preached on this text all the way through it. Um, there's, there's probably a cassette tape of it somewhere in the past. Um, Barry might have been there when I first preached this sermon. 2001, and, uh, and we're, I'm revisiting the first psalm or the first message I ever spoke on. I haven't got the notes for that message. I don't think I've even got the notes for this message because the battery is going really rapidly on my phone, but never mind. So let's look at Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Just look at how this psalm begins. Blessed. And in the Hebrew it's plural. So it can be translated, oh the blessedness. Or the blessings of the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. This psalm is about the way of blessing. And if you want to know how to be blessed of the Lord, this psalm is what you need. It will show you the way to be blessed. Not only by what you do, but by what you don't do. It's a wonderful thing that in the Word of God, the Scriptures show us the way of blessing. How wonderful it is of the Lord to prescribe for us the way through to knowing the blessing of God. It shows His heart, doesn't it? The Lord wants to bless His people. And the Lord wants to minister to you away with the caricature that so many have of God as some kind of stingy God who just grudgingly gives to his children what they need in spite of the fact they are so unworthy of it. Friends, we have to have a biblical view of our God that he loves to give good gifts to his children. And he wants to bless you. He wants to minister to you. He wants you to know the fullness of blessing. Our problem is we don't always like the way of coming into blessing. But if only we chose the right path as his people, what a difference it would make to our lives. You remember what it says in the book of Isaiah, my people go into captivity for lack of knowledge. But the knowledge is there. You can come into things if you're into the word of God. The way of blessing is given. I go on the streets, I'm sure you do. And just even driving in the car, I see how desperately dark people seem to appear to me. Their eyes look old before they are young. And there's nothing there in their lives, even though they possess many things in the world. They are deceived by the riches of this earth. And yet the Lord has opened your eyes, dear believer, child of God, to know the way of blessing. What a privilege you have. A privilege that isn't the privilege of everybody in this world. There's people groping about in darkness all around us. And you with John Newton can say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I see. 
I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And you've been given eyes to see what the vast majority in the world does not see. The beauty of Jesus Christ and the loveliness of his ways. Brothers and sisters, we are so blessed. The word of God shows us about the way of blessing in the scripture. There are a number of scriptures. I think I went through every single one this morning that speaks of this word blessed. I looked at them throughout the Old Testament and they have various contexts. But the one who's blessed by God is the one that has been saved by God. Deuteronomy 32.29 Who stands before him continually. 2 Chronicles 9 verse 7 Whose transgression is forgiven. Who is chosen by God and brought into his courts. Psalm 65 verse 4 Who dwells in his house. Psalm 84, verse 41. Whose strength is in him. Psalm 84, verse 3. Who trusts in the Lord. Psalm 84, verse 12. Who know the joyful sound. Psalm 89, verse 15. Who know the discipline of the Lord. Psalm 94, verse 12. And I could just keep going on. That keep his testimonies. Psalm 119, verse 2. Who seek him with their whole heart. Psalm 119, verse 2. All these are the ways of the blessing of of, of God upon your life. And the Lord has given us these various ways in the word. But there's also this one that I missed out. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man. Oh, the blessedness of the man who does and does not do certain things. Look at what he says. First of all, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I want to tell you this morning that if it was down to a modern writer to write the first psalm in the hymn book, or that's going to be sung on a Sunday morning, you would not start with a negative. You need to start with a positive. You need to start to get the people feeling upbeat and happy. But in the word of God here, Psalm 1 says you're firstly blessed by what you abstain from. And you and I need to learn that the so-called negatives in the word of God are positives to those who love God. Because they keep you from what is wrong. In fact, negatives are some of the most positive things that you can read. If they keep you from sin, if they keep you from darkness, if they keep you from iniquity, if they keep you from falling into the trap of the fowler, are they not positive? So it is good to receive from the word of God these so-called negatives and to take note of them. 
Because the problem is, for many of us, we read these things, then we close our Bibles, then we go through the doors and we forget what we've read. We receive them to an extent. In our minds, passively, we say yes, but the Word doesn't get any further down than that. The Word will not be operative in the life of the child of God until it reaches his very heart. Until the Word gets into your heart, it won't be operative in the choices you make. At least not those verses. And the danger of modern evangelicalism, if I can put it like that, is that we have the idea, perhaps we wouldn't even phrase it like this, but we have the understanding that if we agree with the entirety of the word of God, that makes us evangelical. Brothers and sisters, that is not Biblical Christianity. The Word of God needs to get into your innermost being. Otherwise, you can have the seed come on your land, but never produce fruit. Not because there's any problem with the seed, but there's problem with the soil. There's something wrong with the ground. And if there's something wrong with the ground, ask God to show you. Will he not do that? I mean, if the Lord wants to bestow blessing upon you, he will show you the way of the heart being dealt with. He will deal with it. Blessed is the man, then, who walks firstly not in the counsel of the wicked who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Do you know, as I was meditating a little on this earlier, it really struck me that the psalmist doesn't simply say, blessed is the man who does not walk in bad advice. It's blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of unprincipled men, ungodly people. You can look at the word counsel and you can forget there's the word wicked or ungodly that is mentioned here as well. It's not just about the advice, it's who you're getting it from. Let me put it like this to you then. Who do you listen to? Who do you give your ear to? This is absolutely vital that you take this question personally. Otherwise, you can be being deceived by voices that you think are right, but are actually leading you astray. They can even be voices in your own mind. And there's many people who've said to me, the Lord said this to me, the Lord said that to me, and quietly in my heart I've had to say, oh dear. This is not the Lord. You say, how do you know? Because when you're trained in the ways of the Lord, you begin to know and discern his voice. And one thing I've noticed about the Lord that I've walked with, he doesn't become chatty. And yet many people are hearing things left, right and centre sort of every five minutes. 
and I question some of it, at least. And I have to say, dear brothers and sisters, are you weighing up what you hear even inside your own heart? Many people listen to their own heart and are deceived in thinking the Lord is speaking to them. It doesn't have to be demonic. It can just be natural man. Oh, the Lord said this to me. The Lord said that to me. Just be a little careful. We are to test the spirits. We're to weigh things that we believe God is saying to us. We're not simply just to imbibe everything that comes our way, even if it seems that it's inward. We need to weigh it up and say, Now, Lord, if this is of you, would you firstly confirm it by the word of God? Because your barometer isn't how you feel about what people say about you as from the Lord or what your own heart says. It's whether or not you can find it in here. And if you can't find it in here, be very careful indeed. Because you could be taken off track into a deception that you're not even aware of. We need to be careful. We need to be very careful. If you're not willing to have something weighed, then something's wrong. But I tell you this, whenever I feel I've had a word from the Lord, there's been such a peace with it, I'm happy for people to weigh it. Don't be fearful about getting things wrong either. We are all in a learning curve. We're all learning. If you haven't got L plates on as a Christian and you've got a P on as if to say, I've passed, you are in a terribly dangerous position. The more I go on with the Lord, the less I feel I know. And the more that means I need to rely on the Lord. What counsel do you take? What counsel do you take? Seriously. Seriously. You say, oh, I know it's a word from the Lord because so-and-so told me, and they're always right. Oh, really? No, honestly, I know them back to front. They're always right. What about if Simon Peter came to you and gave a word? Well, he would be of a greater authority. Yes, he would. Do you remember Simon Peter once had a tremendous revelation that Jesus is the Messiah? And within a few moments, he's telling Jesus, you're not going to the cross. And Jesus says to Simon, get behind me, Satan. Jesus is always discerning what spirit something is of. can be right, even appear right but not be right. Where do you get your counsel from? Is it from ungodly people? Is it from people who have no character, no godly character? Do you take your views from them? Do you take your views from the TV? Do you take your views from what you see on the BBC? Do you take your views from clever men or scientists is that where your counsel comes from and then do you try and interpret what they say and try and make it fit into the word of God 
ungodly counsel. Be careful who you walk with. Be careful who you walk with. Bad company corrupts good morals. And it does. And you know what that means for me? Is not only I need to run away from the wicked as far as I can. It also behoves me as a believer to seek to become as godly as I can. Because I don't want to trip up other people. With ungodly counsel. What counsel do you give to people? What happens if somebody comes to you and they say, I need help in this area? I had somebody who do this very same thing in the middle of the night, last night. What do you do when somebody texts you or rings you in a very, very difficult situation? Do you tell them what you know? Or do you ask the Lord to give you his counsel for them? Yes. And the Lord may draw upon your knowledge to give counsel to them, but make sure it's what the Lord gives you to give to them. Otherwise, you know what happens. We all become experts in everything. Brothers and sisters, I'm going off the, slightly off the message. Let me do this. Give me a little bit of leeway, won't you? Remember my phone's dying on me. Let me put it like this. In the last days, we are living in the age of Laodicea. We're living in the age of Laodicea. And you know what that means? Laodicea means people's opinions. And what do we see all around us? People's opinions. The views of men, my opinion, my view, what I believe is right, what I know is right. They're wrong. I'm right. I know what's right for you. I'll give you good counsel. You come to me. I will lead you. Oh, how quick we are to speak. How slow we are to listen. How quick we are to give our opinion. How slow we are to silence our mouths. What we need is not opinions. What we need is godly counsel. Right? So is there anything wrong with going to a godly woman or a godly man for advice? Of course not. But if that man is godly, and if that woman is godly, they will listen to what you are saying, and they won't judge too quickly. You wait on the Lord. You listen to what is being said and what is not being said. And you weigh up the spirit in which it is being said. And you ask the Lord for help. Isn't that right? I've dealt 
I might not give somebody ungodly counsel in one sense, but I want to give them what is of God. Everything that's not of God, in a sense, is ungodly. Right? I need to give what is of God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, of the wicked. So be careful where you take advice, brothers and sisters. Don't go to the godless. Secondly, nor stand in the way of sinners. You're no longer going along. You're not, you know, the word stand here doesn't simply mean that you're, you happen to be with a crowd. You've made your stand with sinners. You've taken that position up. You're in with them now. You're hearing what they're hearing. You're following what they're following. You're going the way they're going. And one of the biggest dangers for each one of us, if we're in contact with the world, is beginning to take on the counsel of people without even realizing it. Their mannerisms, the way they handle things, you can so easily rub off on you, particularly if they're strong characters. Be careful about not standing in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There's almost like a downward progression here. You begin by taking on counsel, you end up standing with those people whose counsel is godless, and in the end, you will end up sitting with the scoffers, and you'll end up scoffing the things that you once believed. Oh, the danger of bad company. The danger of bad company. What company do you keep? What about your children? Brothers and sisters, be careful. Even what company your children keep as they're growing up, pray that they might have godly friends and not worldly friends. Because it seems to me that so often the world rubs off on our young people rather than the other way around. Oh, have you got somebody in your life that's having a spiritually negative effect upon you and the Lord hasn't told you to be trying to go out your way to help that person? Just be careful. Stand, beg your pardon, walking, standing, sitting. That's the downward way of a man who's backsliding. But blessed is the man who doesn't get the counsel of the wicked. Who doesn't go with the sinners. Doesn't sit with the scoffers. Very good. We've seen what a godly man doesn't do. But what is he then to do? Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the first thing. And secondly, and in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, don't you find this amazing? Come on, we need to think a little bit here. The psalmist doesn't say, blessed is a man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the godly. doesn't say that. doesn't say his delight is in godly men or godly women. It says his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, the counsel of the godly is the word of God. But his delight, what are you delighting in? Friends, think about that. I'm not trying to be legalistic here. 
are trying to make you feel bad about certain things. I'm trying to get you thinking a little bit. Just weigh it up yourself before the Lord. But what kind of programs do you watch? What are the people like on the films that you see? Does it rub off on you? If you're watching films where there's perversity or where there's uncleanness or where there's swearing a lot, in the end it will affect your conversation. Because when you are watching something, you are taking that in. Or to, maybe passively, but you are taking it in. Something of that character will rub off on you. It's like children. When children see a superhero that they like, they try to imitate that person. And we're the same as adults. It's so easy. What films are we watching? I'm trusting that nobody's massively into game consoles here, right? But, but at the end of the day, we need to be careful about what we watch. It's not saying that we can't watch things and rest and relax. Of course not. But it's saying is what kind of things are we taking in? What is our delight? And in verse 2, it says the psalmist's delight is in the law of the Lord. The word law there means Torah. That's what the word is. The first five books of the Bible. The first five books. He's saying, the psalmist is saying, my delight is in the Torah. Is your delight in the Torah? Is your delight in the Word of God? The Word of God is no longer just five books. It's a whole 66. It's expanded for you. The Word of God is massive. And yet, we find ourselves pushing it aside so often for other things. Other things. Other important things. Other things that are clean, but still other things. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, ask yourself this. What has the majority of your time? I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to help you. What has the majority of your time? Do you know most of us in this room? We're, we're, if I said one thing... We'd all put our hands up. Do you know what I say? The internet. The internet. Now sometimes we have to have the internet on. I mean, if I'm going from Mottingham, even probably to Orpington, I'm never going to get there with my sense of direction. I mean, I don't know even what way to turn almost out of my own drive. I mean, it's just so hopeless. I need the sat-nav. So I'm going to be online for the sat-nav. I'm going to be online for looking at things that might help me prepare for a message. Yes, I'd be online for these things. But then there's other things. There's other things that come in. You see, the internet is a very interesting animal, isn't it? You can be on it for one thing, and then something else gets your attention in the corner of the little screen called a phone. It's anything but a phone. And you press on that. And you think, that was amazing. I'm going to look at this. And how often have you had it that before you know it, half an hour, 40 minutes, 45 minutes have slipped away. And then you sort of think, oh, what have I been doing? The internet has plenty of rabbit warrens. 
And you can go down any one of them you like. But ultimately, they will lead you to a dead end. They promise so much good, interesting, fascinating information. Meanwhile, the word of God is closed on the bookshelf. You say, I need to know what's going on. Of course you do. I'm not asking you to take your phone when you get home, go to the top floor, open the window, and throw it out. If you do that, you might hit somebody anyway, which wouldn't be good. But I'm not saying you do that. But I was challenged recently by a message, which is the same thing. Somebody said, I think it's Paul Washer, he said, you can find out how many hours you've had on your phone at the end of the week. I didn't even know this. And I'm glad I didn't know it. (laughs) He said, compare that with how many hours you've been in prayer and in the word in the week. And then you gulp. Just as well the batteries run low, isn't it? Can't even access the internet now. What do you delight in? You see, the psalmist here is saying, but his delight, his desire, his Pleasure is in Torah. Now, by that, I'm not saying Torah observance, okay? (laughs) There is a movement (laughs) afoot today where you get Gentiles trying to be more Jewish than Jewish people. Oh, dear me. Stay as far away from that as you possibly can. But read the Torah. Be in the first five books of the Bible. You're amazed. You'll be amazed. If you meditate in the first five books of the Bible and you mean it from your heart, the Spirit will introduce you to Jesus. And you'll see him there through various pages. We have so many trappings, so many distractions, So many other things in this visual age that will do everything they can to distract you from one thing, which is the Word of God. But notice what the man who's blessed does. This is not a theory that I'm teaching you this morning. I'm Prove me on it. This is what the word of God says. Blessed is the man who doesn't do certain things, but he also, his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the teaching of the Lord. His delight is in the word of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Dear friends, this isn't talking simply to pastors. Though I think there's a greater, much greater onus on pastors to be in the Word of God. That's the primary calling of a pastor, to be in the Word of God and prayer. 
Number one priority. Do you remember in Acts 6 how there was the danger of the ministers of the word of God being distracted from the ministry of the word and prayer to do something that would have been absolutely beautiful. What would that have been? Waiting upon widows? Can you, can you, can you tell me a more worthy cause? It's as though the Lord takes one of the most worthy causes before our eyes. Surely the pastors, the leaders, should have been waiting upon these widows. And they say, no, choose for yourself seven men filled with the Spirit, those who are going to take on this task, and it seemed good to all the people, and they did take on their task. Why didn't the leaders do it? Because they said, we will give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word of God. And the danger is that there's ministers out there doing everything but getting into the Word of God. Ministers of Jesus Christ need to be in the Word of God hours and hours every day. And if they're not, what can they give people? What can they give people? I tell you what you're left with when you have ministers who don't get into the Word of God. People's opinions. That's all, that's all that's left. His delight. This is for everyone. This is the man who's blessed, the woman who's going to be blessed. This is your way of blessing. Delighting yourself in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. What does meditating mean? It doesn't just mean in kind of, I'm done my reading, my three pages. <coughs> Excuse me. It doesn't just mean that. It means actually chewing over the Word of God. It means you're feeding on the Word of God. It means you're actually taking these verses and saying, Lord, you have to speak to me. You have to. Otherwise, I haven't got the sustenance to get me through the day. Open your Word to me because your Word says it's the entrance of your words that gives light. And brethren, it's not simply the reading of the word that gives light. It's the entrance. And that's through meditating, chewing on it, feeding on it, as though your very life depends upon it. Because it does. Because it does. Because it does. Can you really believe that you can face the opposition of these days, the the godlessness that is pervading all society in every area. Do you really believe, brothers and sisters, you can truly know what it is to resist such powers and currents that have demonic force behind them by just reading a verse or two a week? It's not going to be possible, is it? David, why don't you get some water, my brother, yeah? You've got it. <laughs> Beg your pardon. We need, we need to be men and women of the book.
if you don't feed on this book, if you don't make it your life choice, you will, in some way, have in your understanding a worldly mindset. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. If your mind isn't renewed, how are you going to be transformed? Oh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What is your number one priority, brothers and sisters? And I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to get a whip out and say, right, three hours tomorrow morning, you need to be in the Word of God. I'm not saying that. Please don't hear that. What I'm saying is, unless the Word of God is your priority, you are susceptible to demonic viruses. Everybody's going on about COVID. Who's talking about sin? Who's talking about sin? Because sin is at the root of our problem, not COVID. But why do we always get taken up with these other things? Brothers and sisters, we need to be alert. We need to be aware. What's going on round about us? We don't want to bury our head in the sand. There's things happening in our day that are unparalleled in history and all the rest of it. Yes, I agree with all that. But if that is number one in your life rather than the word of God, your understanding of what is going on in the world will be lopsided because it's not founded on this book. It says in the book of Daniel, it's those who know their God. Those who know their God who shall stand firm and do exploits. Amen? Do you know your God? How do you get to know God? Well, I watch lots of Christian TV programs from America. Really? And how do you find them? Oh, they're amazing. I found out I just have to name it and claim it, and it's mine. All right. Yeah. If I had enough faith, I'd be having a runway outside my house with a nice jet. Really? And where's that in the word of God? I don't know, but this guy was so powerful on the screen. People are so taken up by personality. By what this person says, what that person says, what this person does, what that person does. And many a Christian are simply almost unanchored because they're not into the word of God. My people go into captivity for lack of knowledge. My brothers and my sisters, now is the time. Do you discern the times that you live in? Are you seeing that things around you are happening on an unparalleled 
level? Are you seeing the, the destruction that's round about us? Are you seeing the way this world is going? You should be. Things are getting really bad. But I want to tell you this. You'll never make it through unless the word of God is first in your life. Not the news broadcast. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates. It's like a lion growling over their prey. So Wilson says. His Old Testament word study. It's like a lion growling over the prey. Are you like that in the morning? I'm not asking you literally to growl, okay? Don't get the idea that I'm trying to start something new and funny. When you wake up in the morning, the pastor says we must growl in front of Bible. So, you know, I get something from it. Um, don't take me too literally in these ways. But you need to have such a burden. You say, I haven't got it. Then who gives it? The Lord, right? Do you want it? Well, even if you want it, that's the Lord's grace. So ask God. Say, Lord, I need you to give me a taste for this book. I've been watching CBN or CNN or whatever they're called. Now I want to get into the real thing. <laughs> and I tell you this. If you learn to chew over the word of God and meditate upon it and feed upon it, you will build up a basket full of bread and you won't be going out asking people to hear you speak. People will come to you. It will happen. His delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates. Just take a verse or two. Tomorrow morning or Tuesday morning or Wednesday. Take a couple of start at the beginning of the book and take a few verses first three verses of say Philippians Lord I'm here this morning please speak to me I've got a hard day at work you have things to face that I don't have to face there's people who go into the workplace you need the word of God so in the morning Lord speak to me open and then read a couple of verses and chew on it meditate upon it it's much better than thinking about the sports news, especially the England cricket team. Why would you want to think on that? I mean, you can meditate on the Word of God. Get into the Scriptures. Get into the Word. And dear friends, the Lord isn't looking for the intellectually, wonderfully able people to understand the Scriptures. He teaches them to little babes who are hungry. And if you hunger, you will receive. You will. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in, in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. This is the outworking of the man or woman who will spend time meditating on the word of God. It's not a theory, it's reality. But we don't meditate as we don't get into the word. You know, it was said of John Bunyan, if you cut, C.H. Spurgeon said of John Bunyan, if you cut him open, the, he will bleed the Bible. 
he was in the word of God, in the word of God, in the word of God. You know one of our great problems within church in England is we don't know the word of God within the church. We don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to divide it. We don't know how to meditate on it. We don't know how to study it. We don't know. We just know little bits here and there. It's usually a bit of cut and paste, and that's our Sunday morning service. And we expect to be able to face the giants of this now going through this land on such a feeble diet. It's not going to happen. He is like a tree planted Again, C.H. Spurgeon makes the point, notice it's a tree that's planted. Oh, thank God. What a thing it is to be the planting of the Lord. The planting of the Lord. He plants. If you're a man or woman of being planted of the Lord, don't you think you're going to be into the word of God? There's got to be something there, hasn't there? People say they're Christians, they're not into the word of God. They'd rather read the, the, the Spectator or some other, the Independent, whatever. Come on. The word, the word, the word of God. He is like a tree planted not by a stream, but by streams of living water. Well, it says of water. Sorry, I added the living bit, but you understand. <laughs> by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Oh, this is just beautiful. You don't need to try to make the fruit grow on you as a tree. If you're planted by the Lord and you're into the word of God, God will see the fruit takes place. Don't you worry about the fruit. It'll be there. You can't produce the fruit of yourself. The Lord says, without me, you can do nothing. We need to be joined to him. And those that are truly joined to Christ, how can they not be fruitful, knowing that Christ is altogether fruitful? Is it possible? What's, what is happening in our lives? Are we not feeding on the word? Are we not meditating? If we're not, how is that fruit going to really grow to any maturity? Brothers and sisters, this is where you need to be. You say, oh, I know that stuff. I know you know it, but you don't know it in experience. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Isn't that beautiful? It's not only the fruit that doesn't wither, the leaf doesn't even wither. Everything about you will speak of life. Everything. Because you're being filled with the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. It says in Colossians 3. And verse 16, let the word come in to your life. Do you want to prosper? Oh, yes, I really would like a better car. No. Okay, I'll try for something bigger, an aeroplane. No, I'm not saying that. The, what the prospering of the Lord is the prospering of spiritual fruit in your life. So the fruit of the Spirit is what we're after in our lives. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. 
That's why you never see lovelessness in the church. Joy, you never see Christians moaning. Peace, you never see them at war. Why is it? Why is it? Why is it that there's so much opposite to the fruit of the Spirit within churches? Part of the reason is because there's mixture always within church. The truth from the false, it all comes together. You've got the, you've got the, you've got the real wheat that's going to come up, but you've got the tares. It's all joined together. And in the last day, the Lord will do the separating. Right? So we want to know we're part of the true church. This is the true church. I belong to a Court Farm Evangelical Church. I'm a Baptist. I'm a this, I'm a that. No. The question is, are you born of the Spirit of God? Are you born from above? Are you the planting of the Lord? Do you remember what it says in Luke 6 and verse 44? Let's quickly look there as we come towards a close. Luke, Luke 6 verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Have you ever seen that? A good tree bearing bad fruit? Of course not. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by how it looks. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Huh. Interesting, isn't it? So we need to be those brothers and sisters that bear good fruit. We need the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We need to be obedient to the Lord. This is the fruit that the Lord's after. It's not simply whether I know everything in a right fashion. It's whether my character has been transformed by the Word of God getting into my life. This is the planting of the Lord. Do you remember Jeremiah? I hope you do. Um, Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. Do you remember that? Your words were found... And I looked at them. No. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. How are you ever going to know food's good unless you eat it? You're never going to know that unless you eat the word of God. You're never going to know. It's always going to be a sort of outward observance and a form of just compliance to what others are saying but when you know this it utterly transforms you you're spoilt for anything less I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I am called by your name O Lord God of hosts friends do you eat the word if you do you're going to be like a tree 
planted by streams, not one stream, but many, of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now we're back to the negative in verse 4. The wicked are not so. They're not. They're not like a tree planted. They're not the planting of the Lord. You can be in a church, you can be part of a church community, and yet not be the planting of the Lord, friends. Do you know where you personally stand with Jesus Christ today? That is absolutely vital, that you know that your sins have been forgiven, that you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, that you are a child of God, and there's no condemnation for you now in Christ Jesus. So important. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind that the wind drives away. Oh, what a day it's going to be when the Lord is on the threshing floor and there's a real winnowing of what is true from what is false, what is genuine from what is artificial, what is spiritual from what is religious. Which will you and I be? Let a man examine himself. Examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. This is what John Owen did. I couldn't believe it when I found it out. A relative of David shared with me. He has this book by John Owen, his reading. John Owen was in the, around the mid-range time of his ministry and he wrote a book for himself. Sounds quite selfish, doesn't it, really? You know, a bit selfish to write a book for yourself. He wrote a book for himself that was published. Do you know what the book was? It was all about true evidences that somebody's been genuinely born again of the Spirit of God according to what the Word says. And the reason he wrote it is because he wanted to examine his own heart before the Lord lest he be deceived himself. It's extraordinary. Well, it was published as well because otherwise my friend wouldn't have got it. But we need to be those, not who are neurotic, but we need to be that we know we're in the faith. We're walking with the Lord. We love the word of God. Now there's times when we have dips and we go downhill a little bit, don't we? And we backslide, don't we? Haven't you had any times like that? If you haven't had times like that, you've never been converted in the first place, right? You have times where you backslide. You know you're going downhill. You're not reading the word as you used to. You're not meditating. You're not praying. You're not worshipping the Lord as you used to. And then the Lord triggers the memory of previous experiences you had and says, come again to me, my child. Let me restore your soul. Let me bring you back to where I once had you. What a wonderful thing that is. We're not trying to reach a level of holiness to somehow get saved by the merit of our own holiness. We are saved by grace, through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift 
of God, I'm so pleased. But there will be evidences in my life that will show forth that I have been born again. My dad used to say, what's a conversion without a conversion? Right? What's change without change? It's a good phrase. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. There's going to be this separation on judgment day. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. What a fearful thing these verses are, friends. You know, we don't talk about judgment within the church in these days, do we? Very often. But I think judgment is something that needs to come back to the house of God again. We need to preach these truths. The wicked are not going to stand in the judgment. Let's not deceive ourselves. Nice people don't get to heaven by being nice. People get to heaven because they're born again of the Spirit of God. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Well, churches at the moment, we can have mixture. Righteous, unrighteous, we all come together. But there's coming a day when there's only going to be the righteous in the Lord's congregation. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This is so encouraging. The Lord knows your way. Listen, if you are a child of God, I trust you are. I believe many of you are. But if if you are born again of the Spirit of God, the Lord knows the way you take. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how to keep your soul. He knows how to preserve you from the enemy, from condemnation, from darkness. We so often worry ourselves silly when we're off the internet. We worry ourselves silly about other things, but never remember our lives are in the Lord's hand. Trust him. Do you trust the Lord to keep you? Do you believe that the Lord knows your way? By knowing, it doesn't mean to say the Lord's cast an eye over you. It means he knows you. He knows you personally. Your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He loves you personally. Personally. He knows the way you take. He knows it's hard. He knows when you're rejoicing. He knows when you're weeping in secret. He knows. He knows. Just to have a God who knows is almost enough. Sometimes you don't even have the answers to your problem. But just to remind yourself, brother, sister, that situation, the Lord. Be at peace. Don't fret. The Lord knows. And he knows the way he takes you and leads you. But the way of the wicked will perish. Isn't that so fascinating that he doesn't say the wicked will perish? Which, of course, they will. But he says the way of the wicked. The way of the wicked seems so inviting at the moment. But one day even the way of the wicked is going to be burnt up. It will be no more. It will come to naught. What's the point of flirting with it? Get away from it. Get away from it. Get away from all those godless things. What's the point? 
go after the way of the Lord. So, you will be blessed this year if you are a man of God, or you will be, um, sorry, blessed this year if you don't walk in wicked counsel, stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. You will be blessed this year if you delight in the word of God and his law is your meditation day and night. That means continually. You'll be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And what's more, the Lord will know your way. Brothers and sisters, some of you have very busy jobs. Very, very busy jobs. Time is hard to come by. There's pressures on every side. Everybody wants your attention. Everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody wants something with you to distract you with. But go up your mountain, up your stairs, or if you've got a bungalow, just stay on the same floor and go and find another room, shut the door and say, everybody outside, thank you so much for loving me. You're very nice people. I won't be in here for massively long but I am going to spend time with Jesus I'm going to get into this book because I believe that I'll be blessed if I do so I'll come back to you in due time but as for now we're going off air I'm going to spend time in the word of God and prayer that will be the blessing of your year that will be the blessing of your year and you will end this coming year if God bids that you last it out you will end this year with the sure reality that this word has sustained you through thick and thin let it be your meditation and let everything else important as it is be secondary to this one thing and hold fast to the word of truth Amen. Oh,